This is a Data Science Channel program from the Halijialu Data Science Institute. Visit us at ucsd.tv slash data-science to learn more about how data is shaping our future. Welcome back to another episode of Science Like Me, and I have the pleasure of introducing you to C.J. Taylor. He's a computer vision and robotics professor at the University of Pennsylvania. He received his undergraduate degree in electrical computer and systems engineering from Harvard and received his master's and Ph.D. from Yale then did his postdoc at Berkeley. He is a research faculty member of NSF-funded TELOS AI Institute. TELOS is the Institute for Learning-Enabled Optimization at Scale and also serves as the Outreach and Diversity Director for the Institute, which is how we cross paths. Welcome, CJ. Uh, It's a real pleasure to be here, Sara. Tell us a little bit more about TELOS. Okay, well, uh, TELOS is a NSF-funded uh, research institute. It brings together institutions from across the country. Uh, in this case, uh, uh, MIT, Yale, University of Pennsylvania, University of Te- Texas in Austin, National University, and of course, uh, UC San Diego. And it's a team of researchers, and we're focused on problems that involve optimization applied to artificial intelligence. Nice. And what about your research role, your specific research role within TELOS? So uh, I'm actually, as you said, a a roboticist and I work in computer vision. So uh, I am actually interested in uh, developing algorithms that make uh, robots and computers smarter. So more able to sort of navigate the world and to do the kinds of things that we do. And uh, it actually sort of fits extremely well into TELOS because many of the problems that I'm interested in solving turn out to be optimization problems. Like... What's the best way for a robot to get from here to there? Uh, what's the best interpretation of this, of this picture or this series of pictures? These are all optimization problems where we're trying to ask what's the best uh, answer for this kind of question. Um, so a lot of the things that I end up doing uh, in my daily work you know, turn out to, at base to be optimization problems. So Nice. And I know that you're a member of the GRASP lab. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? So, yeah, as I said, I'm a member of the GRASP Laboratory here at the University of Pennsylvania. We are a research group comprised of faculty members, postdocs, graduate students, undergraduates. And we're basically interested in all manner of robotics and intelligent systems. So if it walks, it flies, it crawls, if it tries to sense the world in any way and tries to make sense of it, that's the kind of stuff that we're interested in. So it's a really, really fun uh, group to work with. I'm sort of very, very uh, pleased to be here. Um, and yeah, it's sort of, a, again, a really good fit for the kinds of things that, that Telos uh, is, is all about. So when I was digging deeper about your research, I found out that you, uh, one of the, one of the parts that you do, one of the research that you do is computer vision and taking 2d images and making 3d images from it. And I have to tell you, uh, one of my first jobs out of college was trying to, uh, match the topology of the face with the topology of uh, CPAP masks. Basically, we wanted to make sure that um, instead of taking a mask and literally fitting it, we can do it virtually. And uh, we were trying to pursue a patent for this and then along the way found prior art. And I bet you, I bet you if I look at that prior art, your name would be there. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the words that I'm even using have been, it's been so long. I bet you have way more understanding of what I'm trying to say than what I'm even trying to say. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. That that's uh, uh, I've been working on that kind of problem of how do you actually build three D models from two D images, going all the way back to my PhD research. It's really been a, a fun topic, and actually, uh, um, one of the things I was doing while I was at Berkeley was working on a system for actually building models of buildings uh, from from photographs. 
Um, and some of the technology that we ended up developing there ended up getting used in movies like The Matrix and the like. And it's been really wonderful to see how far that, that kind of technology has come. You know, certainly doing much more sophisticated things these days. Uh, but yeah, it was all sort of based on kind of fundamental um, research, you know, trying to answer basic questions about geometry and about optimization uh, and about, uh, you know, how does how does a computer make sense of, of what it's seeing? I think that's so cool. I mean, I think it's so um, it's probably surprising to a lot of people uh, to have their research manifest in pop culture. I mean, you'll see it manifest in other ways, but um, but to see it like in a popular movie like The Matrix, that's pretty rad. Um, can you tell us maybe other surprising parts of your role that somebody that might be interested in going down the path of robotics or computer vision might be uh, surprised to find out, learn about? Yeah, no. And uh, uh, one thing that may not necessarily be obvious if you're sort of thinking about engineering or STEM as a career is just that how much of uh, your day to day work is really about uh, really about people and really about about communicating. Um, so. You know, you're always finding yourselves in teams. You're always finding yourself communicating with other people, trying to, to inspire people or communicate what it is that you're trying to do. Um, so that ability to, um, you know, you know, understand, uh, uh people, uh, um, you know, understand different perspectives and work well in a team. That just sort of, you know, critically important. And I think sometimes a little bit uh, underappreciated, you know, it's when it becomes, uh, there's obviously a lot, a lot of math. There's obviously a lot of physics. Um, and, you know, I definitely like geeking out on those, those topics, uh, as well. Um, but yeah, you know, getting stuff done, it's, it's a lot about, about how do you work well in a team? Did you take any classes that helped you work better in a team? Yeah, actually, uh, the, the, the story I like to tell is like one of the, uh, the most useful courses I took in, in college was actually a, a, a course on Shakespeare. Had nothing to do with my major, uh, but uh, it was a course that sort of you know, gave me a much better insight on on uh, in what it meant to write, um, and you know I really didn't get a great great grade in it, but but I learned a, a, a tremendous amount, and I always try to you know to remind my students that you know, there's a difference between um, don't confuse your grade with your education, uh, and uh, you, you will you can learn a lot. Some of the some of the courses that I got the worst grades in are the ones that I learned the most from. Oh, nice. I love that. Um, so I, I was, you know, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually taking a stand-up comedy class to better my performance in terms of like, how am I actually landing with an audience? I'm not, I'm not actually trying to be a stand-up comedian, um, but it has been a really helpful class in understanding what, how I think I'm coming off as and how I actually am coming off as and getting that real-time feedback has been really helpful. Um, and I'm continuing to take the class. Um, so can you give me, I mean, I feel like you've given us a pretty practical example of how your research will manifest in pop culture, but other, what about, what about other ways that you've seen your research manifest? Well, actually, um, way back when, and we're talking sort of, uh, you know, uh, 1997, I was actually working on uh, self-driving cars. Uh, so we actually did, uh, did a demo of, uh, what was then sort of a very advanced system, uh, outside San Diego, where we're driving, you know, cars up and down the highway and this is using, you know, cameras in the front. And, you know, we had to fill the entire trunk of the car with computers to, to make it go because this is, you know, pre-iPhone, pre-great GPS. Um, but that was a tremendously fun, fun project. I got to work with colleagues at UC Berkeley and folks at, folks at Honda. Um, and it's been, you know, obviously extremely heartening to see how far that field has come. Uh, still a lot of challenges, but, you know, 
Uh, wonderful to see, see aspects of that vision coming true as well. You know, it's really cool. I, I do appreciate that this was in 1997, although I'm kind of like, I wonder if I saw that car when I was, you know, because I grew up in San Diego. But, um, you know, I think that's important for a lot of our audience to remember is that a lot of this research has started from a long time ago. And now when you say self-driving cars or an automated car, people will have an understanding of what that means. But um, I bet you at that time, people probably thought that was just crazy. Oh, oh yeah. And, and, and to be clear, I mean, it goes back further than that. There are people working on this uh, in, in, in Germany. There are folks working on in CMU uh, long before, before that. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time coming. And I think it's, it just sort of highlights the value of kind of persistence. Those things that, <laughs> things that don't, may not initially see pos- seem possible um, become more possible over time. And it builds upon each other. I know, I know in um, some of my electrical engineering courses, um, I remember a lot of my peers were also very surprised that a lot of the math that we were using was stuff that was discovered in the 50s. And we're like, what? But why, why are we still using this? And it was because the tools hadn't caught up with the math. And so now we have the technology that has um, caught up with a lot of the theories that people have been coming up with for a long time. And so I think that's really, it's just, it's just nice to see how this is growing and how it's, how it's evolved and where it is now and how much has actually gone into this prior to us even getting to play with it. Um, but I actually want to rewind and understand little CJ. So where did you grow up and what was your, what was your childhood like? Oh, uh, so I actually grew up in Jamaica, and I was uh, spent all of my uh, uh, um, uh, all my boyhood and child, childhood uh, uh, there for for the most part. Uh, Aside for a brief stint when I was uh, when I was learning to talk, my my parents were in were in Canada for a while. So, uh, so I, I, uh, my friends back in Jamaica will tease me mercilessly about my my accent or lack thereof. But. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I was, uh, I had a really, a, a lot of fun growing up in Jamaica. It was, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, was a, was a wonderful place. I had a lot, a lot of great friends and I was always interested in, uh, in math and physics and chemistry and things like that, uh, uh um, as a youngster. Um, other than that, just sort of, you know, uh, trying to stay out of trouble for the most part. Uh, and, uh, uh um, yeah, I enjoyed riding my bike places and, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, playing a lot of uh, playing a lot of actually racket sports. That was that's what I what I like to do as a kid. So if you don't mind me asking, what kind of trouble would you get yourself into? <laughs> uh, well, the, the the thing that that uh, uh, my best friend sort of te- teased me mercilessly about is that the time that he met me, I was actually crawling out of a drain pipe pipe uh, and trying to convince him that you know it was actually really fun and you could have, find all sorts of interesting things in a drain. Uh, my parents were, were, were horrified and were, were pretty, uh, uh, pretty adamant that I shouldn't be doing this, but, uh, um, they weren't home all the time. So, so, so yeah, very, various, various rules were broken. So, you know, I have to say, we probably should have a disclaimer at this point saying, do not try this at home, but we have another uh, thing in common here because when I was younger, I was really obsessed with teenage ninja mutant turtles and I, and my friends and I would actually play in the sewer systems. And, um, and it was a lot of fun. And I am also horrified and thinking about like, how did I manage to get down there? Um, and, you know, we actually even had a slope uh, and we would take the tops of trash cans and slide down those slopes in the sewer systems. Again, do not try this at home. Terrible idea. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, 
but it was also fun. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, what about like your, your favorite toy or did you like take things apart? Like, how did you know you liked math and physics? Well, and sometimes math and physics were the easy parts because you could sort of read those out of books and, uh, uh, and it was, it was, it was tough, but it, uh, but I kind of, I kind of viewed them as a, as a puzzle and that I wouldn't necessarily get things the first time around, but you know, it was like you come back to it and come back to it and then you get this aha moment. And that was, that was, uh, that was fun for me at least. Um, but funnily, I mean, growing up in Jamaica when I did, and you know, you got to remember this is a long time ago. Um, I actually never saw a computer as a, as a, as a boy. Um, but my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things, the things I remember most vividly is I actually had a book with pictures of a computer in it. And we're talking like old timey computers with like, you know, spinning, uh, um, uh, uh, spinning tapes and, you know, they took up the size of a room and it just fascinated me. The idea that you could actually build something mechanical that could, that could do math, uh, and that could figure things out. Um, and from then I was kind of hooked. I was like, you know, I don't, I, I want to know how these work. I want to be able to build them. Um, so, um, I remember, I remember when I was sort of, you know, a, a teenager and there was like the, the, uh, IBM junior, uh, there was one store on the island that sold them. So I would, I actually went downtown and just looked through the window at it. Uh, just as, as that was my first view of what a computer actually was. Um, but yeah, there's something about it just sort of, sort of really fascinated me. And, uh, I knew that I wanted to do that. So it's a little bit strange, but, uh, but there you have it. What was your, what was your first experience with a computer when you finally got one? Was it like, oh my gosh. Yeah, no, the first I, I got, the, I had a friend that had, uh, one of the old, uh, Commodores. Uh, and we're talking about something it could, it could like paint like white lines on your TV. And you had these games where you had the, 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 the line going left and right and left and right down the screen. And that was like amazing. <laughs> so, um, uh, and the first time I got to program was actually when I got to, when I, uh, when I got to college. Was it, was it the kind of programming? Cause I vaguely, we had an, I think we had an Atari and, um, and I vaguely remember my brother doing like 10 go to 20 go to, and then you'd, you'd make these graphics. Was it that kind of programming? Yeah, that, that was what you'd use on those old timey systems. But the first programming language I actually worked with was, was Pascal. And that was supposed to be the, uh, the next generation up that you would eliminate all of those go to statements and do things uh, in a very structured manner. Um, I still have a little bit of a weakness for the language, but, I, but it's uh, definitely clunky by today's standards. Sure. What was your first, um, programming like what was your first uh thing that you first built you know how like people do hello world what was yours the one that i remember i actually wrote a program to solve linear equations which is funnily enough a kind of optimization problem it was yeah it was great to actually sort of see see you know problems that i would you know normally laboriously solve by hand you just sort of type them in and the answer would come out the other end so that was a lot of fun how about this? Um, were there any challenges on your way of becoming a professor or researcher? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, definitely. There's, there's, uh, you know, being in engineering, I think, is our sort of a constant challenge. And I think you, uh, uh, part of you sort of, you know, got, got to get to the point where you sort of enjoy doing hard things. <laughs> and, uh, um, and again, it, it helped that I was, uh, that I always kind of saw these as, as puzzles where, you know, it's okay if I didn't get it the first time. It's okay if I didn't get it the second time. 
But I knew that if I was just if I just kept on hammering away uh, at things, that you would get to the point where it would start to make sense, and then then, then things would would go forward. So I mean, oh wow, there's so many. I mean, <laughs> there there there's so many uh, uh, times when I spent would spend like days trying to trying to hunt down a down a bug. Like uh, I, um, I remember spending you know better part of two weeks trying to find a bug while I was working at a postdoc in Berkeley. Um, for this autonomous car that I was actually driving in. So if you don't find a bug, you have a non-trivial risk of dying. So, <laughs> and it was hidden really, really deep in one of our, uh, our numerical routines. But, you know, uh, but when I found it, it was like, wow, this is, <laughs> uh, but until then it was extremely frustrating. So yeah, I definitely understand how hard it can be. Would that be, would that be kind of like, if I were to have an analogy I'm trying to think of an analogy that would make sense to a middle school student. When you're starting to do um, math problems, you have to do them in order. And if you don't do them in order, then the math doesn't come out correctly. Is that is that how you found the bug when you were trying to describe it? That's what I immediately went to. Is like some order of coding or some order of instructions wasn't wasn't written correctly, or was it was it actually like a math problem? You're absolutely right. I mean, the the, the funny thing about um, uh, trying to fix a computer part program is that you got to get to the point where you can think like a computer, and that's sort of sort of uh, and. The tricky thing about that is actually computers are really, really simple at that basic level, but people are like really, really smart. And so in some sense, you have to get to the point where you just sort of see one thing at a time and just do it one after the other and just force yourself not to look ahead, not to jump ahead. Um, and that's how you end up finding, you know, figuring out where things went wrong. Because usually it's because you made an assumption because you're a human and you're smart and you know what you meant. And the computer is not smart. Computer does what you told it to do. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's a, there's definitely an, a, an analogy about uh, you know understanding how to, you know just to do things one at a time and you know work through the details. You know, I always like to say you can't charm a robot. You can't bat your eyes and make it work. You have to either know what you're doing or you don't. And I love that objective. Um, piece to it. It is definitely frustrating along the way if you don't get it right, <laughs> but it is so, cause you, no one could challenge you, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. It, I, I got it working. So, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. No, nice I know thing. exactly what you're saying. You know, in some sense, yeah, the, 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 the physics and the math really don't care who you are. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's who, who puts in the time to, to, uh, uh, to understand it. And, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a really great feeling when, when things, uh, uh, finally start working when the car starts driving itself and the robot starts doing what you want. Um, yeah, you, you know that you got it. And that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a, a nice feeling to have. I even, I even love the visual of, um, when you described all the equipment that was in that car in 1997, like, and, and then relate, you know, also the visual of what computers used to be like, you know, an entire room filled. And now we've got so much power in a cell phone, um, that's just, it's just incredible. Really, it is how far we've come and how long it's taken to get here and all the different kinds of people and researchers that have put in the work so that we can get to the point that we're at right now and, and play in such a sophisticated space. Um, what are you looking forward to in five, 10 years? Like, you know, knowing the progress we've made, the tools that we have and, and your particular research, what are you most excited about looking forward? 
I think we're sort of at the cusp of having sort of more autonomous systems become increasingly parts of our daily life. I think that's been sort of a dream for, for a while. And you're starting to see it in small ways with like robot vacuum cleaners and people are talking about things like autonomous vehicles and we have, you know, assistants like Siri. So I think a lot of these things are, 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 are coming together and coming together quite, uh, quite rapidly. So, uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we, are on the cusp of having uh, uh, machines helping us in a variety of ways. I think firstly in contexts like, you know, warehouses or in agriculture, I'm working with a small company that's, that's working with, with things in that area. And it's really nice to, you know, actually have a system that will go out there and like really make things um, easier for people, make their jobs, make their jobs better. Um, and then I see that, see it sort of, you know, coming even closer to, closer to home in 10 years, you know, are we really going to get to the point where we have, uh, robots that can do useful things in and around the house. That's a, that remains a very, very, very challenging pro- pro- problem. Um, but I think, I think we're increasingly getting there. You know, we, we're, we're going to have, uh, 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 autonomous systems. Uh, they're going to maybe take very different shapes and size, but they're going to understand when you speak to them. Uh, they're going to recognize what you look like. They're going to recognize what it is that you're trying to do. Um, and they're going to be able to get able to help you out. And I think that'll be, a, that'll be a great thing for a number of people. Yeah, so we're going to have like a literal robot butler who can cook for us and uh, make sure we have the right outfits and, you know, whatever else that we want, right? <laughs> yeah, ten, I'll put that on the 10-year list. That's not the okay. five-year list. <laughs> okay, so given like all the robots that are out there now, what do you think about things like the, I think Boston Dynamics, or is it that came out with a new robot and Tesla came out with a new robot? What do you think about those? Oh yeah, I think it's just it's just pointing to our, our desire as humans to sort of uh, uh, um, get systems like this uh, up and running for ourselves. I think it's been a long desire. Actually, the word robot came from a play by a, by a Czech playwright who envisioned precisely that sort of uh, humanoid robots that could uh, that could uh, you know play useful roles in society. So I think this is a long standing standing dream. Um, and again, I think it, there's still very, very hard problems between us and getting things that are, are, are as reliable or as, as, as smart as, as humans are. Uh, but I think bit by bit, we're sort of chipping away at, at aspects of these problems. And I think the interesting thing that happens is that as we do that, we learn more about ourselves. We learn about how we work, how we uh, process information, how we make decisions, the things that we do well and the things that we do, we do less well. Um, and you know maybe get at some of the aspects of, that are truly unique to being to being uh, uh, to being an animal to being a person, um, and uh, so I think it'll be an, it'll be a really an interesting journey. Whichever way it goes, we will we'll learn a lot about ourselves as we're learning how to solve these these complicated problems. Let me let me draw back to Telos. Actually, how important are um, these AI institutes in one bringing these institute like bringing these universities together? And also um, influencing this space. Oh yeah, this it's it's been a really huge effort. I think you know, uh, um, I think NSF has sort of you know rightly realized that sort of artificial intelligence and uh, and uh, building these kinds of technologies is going to be you know you know crucial for for uh, for our society, for our planet, uh, for to helping us solve these kinds of uh, difficult problems, um, and. You, these days, you know, doing science in teams makes a lot of sense. You know, the world gets increasingly complicated. We all are, have our own specialties. They're all things that we know a lot about. But it's it's great to be able to talk with people, to learn from other people and get perspectives. And I think some of the biggest breakthroughs that have happened over the last couple of years 
involve you know people from artificial intelligence talking to biologists, people from you know artificial intelligence uh, looking at problems in in computer vision or robotics. Uh, uh, so these kind of cross cutting uh, institutes uh, where we able to bring you know insights from mathematics uh, from foundational um, areas uh, and uh, uh, learn about problems in other areas that they might be applicable. Um, I think it's really great. I think it, it really sort of moves the ball forward in a, in a, in a, in a great way. Um, speaking of that, actually, uh, you know, with all these people working together, are there any ethics concerns? I mean, this is a giant question I know right now, but, um, but any that, that come off like that, that you can think of that would be a big concern for you or people should be mindful of? Yeah, no, I think anytime you sort of put a, a computer in a position where it's making a decision, and this happens all sort of very early. I mean, when we start building, you know, autonomous uh, road vehicles, when we start building an autonomous tractor, or uh, um, these are things that are that are uh, making decisions that uh, where they're operating in and around people in particular, um, where you really want to be careful about what the machine uh, can do, what the machine might be allowed to do. Uh, maybe you want to think about your design so that you um, you make sure that there are certain things that the machine can't do uh, and, and and make those decisions up front. Uh, I think some of those questions are sort of product related. So they're separate and apart from research. And I think as researchers, sometimes it's sort of useful for us to sit back and think about um, uh, about what we're doing and you know, the kinds of the kinds of problems that we're, we're, we're choosing to address and why we're choosing to 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 address them. Um, but I, uh, I think in most cases, you know, we're always better off knowing more. That's my that's my tendency. Is that I think, uh, uh, you know, our goal generally as researchers is kind of to answer questions and to, to and to solve problems. Um, but it's also important for us to sort of think about, you know, what problems and why. <laughs> so that that's always a good exercise to do from time to time. Well, I think you spoke to it a little bit about it earlier, uh, the value of like the human interaction, the the people part of your research and uh, how people maybe underestimate how valuable that people part is. You know, um, at the end of the day, these robots are affecting humans. And so, um, you know, taking that literature course was awesome in order to communicate better with humans. And, and that can then help you um, collaborate with humans and then learn from each other. And so I think that's really cool how that kind of all comes together. Yeah, no, I mean, particularly in, in the kinds of things that I'm interested in doing, what you what you really want to do is, is in some sense, replicate, uh, uh, solve some of the problems that nature has already solved, you know, incredibly well. I mean, and it's not just people. I mean, you know, the, the capabilities that a bird has or a fish or uh, they do amazing things with small amounts of energy and solve very, very difficult, uh, what we think of as very, very difficult computational problems with very, very few neurons. So yeah, I think it all comes back to sort of, you know, you know our endless fascination with ourselves, at least in, uh, at least in some of the things that I'm doing. Um, any, any, you know, wrapping this up, um, any words of wisdom you want to give to a middle school student or a high school student that might be watching or your peers even? Uh, again, it's a good idea not to confuse your grade with your education. I mean, I think uh, there's uh, a lot of things that are kind of challenging to learn. I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, math can be challenging, challenging, physics can be challenging, chemistry. I, I, these are things that I found challenging, at least when I, when, when, when I was growing up. Um, and it was just useful to remind myself that 
that you can get out of it what you, what you put in, put into it. And that, you know, that you might not have sort of necessarily immediate success. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're interested in it and you keep at it, uh, it, it will, it will work out for you. There's, there's a, there's, uh, something to be said for, uh, uh, doing things that are challenging and maybe maybe even a little bit scary because uh, that's the way that you grow. That's the way that you really st- sort of stretch yourself. I appreciate that. I definitely have the same. I actually failed algebra the first time I took it and kept going. And um, I ended up getting my electrical engineering degree in spite of failing that math class. So it wasn't easy for me either. And I think um, grit is, uh, is absolutely valuable. And uh, if you're interested, you just keep going. Um, Thank you again, CJ, for your time. It's a pleasure as always. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Really enjoyed this.